Introduction of Word Portraits of Famous Writers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Word Portraits of Famous Writers. Edited by Mabel E. Watton. Introduction. The world has always been fond of personal details respecting men who have been celebrated. These were the words of Lord Baconsfield, and with them he prefixed his description of the personal appearance of Isaac Disraeli. But we hardly need the dictum of our greatest statesman to convince ourselves that at all events every honest literature lover takes a very real interest in the individuality of those men whose names are perpetually on his lips. It is not enough for such a one merely to make himself familiar with their writings. It does not suffice for him that the essays of Elijah, for instance, can be got by heart, but he feels that he must also be able to linger in the playground of Christ's with the lame-footed boy, and in after years pace the temple gardens with the gentle-faced scholar, before he can properly be said to have made Lamb's thoughts his own. At the best, it is but a very incomplete notion that most of us possess as to the actual personality of even the most prominent of our British writers. The almost womanly beauty of Sidney, and the keen eyes and razor face of Pope, would perhaps be recognized as easily as the well-known form of Dr. Johnson. But taking them en masse, even a widely read man might be forgiven if from amongst the scraps of hearsay and curtly recorded impressions on which at rare intervals he might alight he cannot very readily conjure up the ghosts of the very men whose books he has studied and to whose haunts he has been an eager pilgrim such a power the following pages have attempted to supply they contain an account of the face figure dress voice and manner of our best-known writers ranging from geoffrey chaucer to mrs henry wood drawn in all cases when it is possible by their contemporaries and when through lack of material this endeavour has failed the task of portrait painting has devolved either on other writers who owed their inspiration to the offices of a mutual friend or on those whose literary ability and untiring research have qualified them for the task infinite toil has not always been rewarded and it would be easy to supply at least half a dozen names whose absence is to be regretted. Beaumont and Fletcher are as much read as Thomas Otway, and William Watton has perhaps as much right of entrance as his famous opponent, Richard Bentley. But as a small child pointed out when the book was first proposed, you can't find out what isn't there. And the worth of the book naturally consists in keeping to the lines already indicated. An asterisk placed under the given reference means that the writer of that particular portrait, who is not necessarily the writer of that particular book, did not actually see his subject, but that he is describing a picture, or else he is building up one from substantiated evidence. Sometimes, as in the case of Suckling, this distinction leads to the same book supplying two portraits, only one of which is at first hand. When a date is placed at the foot of a description, it refers to the appearance presented at that time, and not to the period when the words were penned. British writers only are named, and amongst them there is, of course, no living author. Chaucer's birth date has been given as about 1340, for the traditional year of 1328 is based on little more than the inscription on his tomb, 
which was not placed there until the middle of the sixteenth century while according to his own deposition as witness his birth could not have taken place until about twelve years later in only one other instance has there been a departure from recognized precedent and that is in the case of thomas de quincey in defiance of almost every compiler and present-day writer i have entered the name in the cues and spelt it as here written the reason for this is threefold first he himself invariably spelt his name with a small d second hood woodsworth and lamb and i believe all his other contemporaries did the same third de quincey himself was so determined about the matter that he actually dropped the prefix altogether for some little time and was known as mr quincey his name i write with a small d in the day as he wrote it himself he would not have wished it indexed among the d's but the q's wrote the rev francis jaycox who was one of his last weighed friends and in spite of his recent and skilful biographers it must be conceded that after all the little man had the greatest right to his own name i am glad to take this opportunity of thanking those who have helped me and who will not let me speak my thanks direct it is a pleasant thought that while working amongst the literary men of the past i have received nothing but kindness from those of to-day first and foremost to mr george augustus sale to whom i am infinitely indebted also to mrs huntingford mrs and mr frederick chapman mr henry m trollope dr w f fitzpatrick and mr s c hall to all these as well as to my own personal friends i offer my hearty and sincere thanks m e w end of introduction